The Window on the World, an international press review by the European Democratic Party, bringing you weekly news and commentaries that matter. Hello again and welcome to the fifth episode of The Window on the World. Today is Friday, 8th of April, and in this podcast you'll find more about the latest updates on the war in Ukraine, the French elections this Sunday, the elections that took place in Hungary and Serbia, and the report on the environment by the IPCC. And as always, we will present you with the best editorials and opinion pieces on the dramatic events of Bucha and the results of the Hungarian elections. And now let's dive right into the most important news of the week. The first update of the day is on the war in Ukraine. A week ago, news broke that around 400 civilians have been killed by the Russian army in the Ukrainian city of Bucha. In response to the massacre, 206 Russian diplomats were expelled from several European countries, including Italy, France and Germany. These, in addition to all those who had already been expelled, brought the total number of diplomats expelled from the countries where they lived to 325. Another consequence of the war is the German government's decision to temporarily nationalize Gazprom's German subsidiary. Gazprom is the Kremlin-controlled producer and distributor of Russian gas. As already mentioned at the end of last week's episode, a meeting between the Eurozone finance ministers was held at the beginning of the week. During the meeting, they discussed how to make sure that the finances of the various countries remain sustainable in the face of additional spending due to the green transition and the war in Ukraine. Green transition and climate change are also the focus of the IPCC report released this week. According to the document, governments are not doing enough to limit global warming. The report says that unless rapid and radical changes are made, the goal of keeping global warming to one and a half degrees is unattainable. Now let's go back to France, where this weekend the first round of presidential elections will be held. This Sunday, the French will be called upon to elect their new president. According to the polls, at the moment, the favorite will be the current president, Emmanuel Macron. He is currently polling at 27.4%, followed by Marine Le Pen at 21%. The third candidate in the polls is Jean-Luc Mélenchon with 15.1%. If no candidate should get half plus one of the votes, then a runoff between the two most voted candidates will be held on April 24th. While voting has yet to take place in France, voting has already taken place last weekend in both Hungary and Serbia. In Serbia, current pro-Putin president Aleksandar Vucic won a 58.5% majority of the votes. Despite the result, his party obtained 42.9% of the votes in the legislative vote and will therefore have to form a coalition government. Winner of the elections is also Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban, who collected 54.2% of the votes. His opponent at the head of the six-party position coalition, Peter Markizai, stopped at 34%. In this unfair and dishonest system, we could not do more, he commented. And shortly after the Hungarian elections result, news broke that the European Commission has activated the rule of law conditionality mechanism
mechanism against Hungary. The mechanism is a new tool meant to protect the EU's funds against breaches of rule of law taking place inside a member state. Hungary is the first country against which this mechanism has been activated. And finally, let's talk about Greece. The Mediterranean country has repaid two years in advance the debt it contracted with the International Monetary Fund. Between 2010 and 2018, Greece has borrowed about 260 billion euros to avoid bankruptcy and leaving the eurozone. Thanks to the early payment of the debt, the country could save up to 230 million euros in interests. Let's look at this week's best opinion editorials from around the world. We start off with the dramatic events of Butcher, which are defined as war crimes by many. In the German newspaper Frankfurter Allgemeine Zeitung, the author Michael Hanfeld explains that where Russian soldiers commit atrocities, Kremlin's propaganda follows closely. According to a well-established pattern, the opposite of what happens is presented as the truth, while facts reported by eyewitnesses and independent journalists are discredited. There are images, videos and texts from news agencies and reporters from news outlets that testify to the facts, Hanfeld writes. On Moscow's side, however, these testimonies are branded as fake news and as the staging organized by the Kiev regime for the Western media. Russian propaganda is also circulated by some European politicians. This is the case of a member of the German far-right party AfD, according to whom Bucha is clearly the new incubator of lies. The article concludes. We now move on to Italy and the newspaper Corriere della Sera. Journalist Paolo Giordano talks about how it is inevitable after news about Bucha spread not to consider what is happening in Ukraine as a war crime. According to Giordano, we are letting a population that we feel close to us that needs to be helped to be invaded and massacred instead. The crimes committed until now in Ukraine happened in places partially out of the media spotlight, therefore less protected, explains the journalist. But now there is evidence of war crimes against humanity committed by the Russians in Ukraine. In the face of what is happening, the journalist argues, we should ask ourselves if we are really doing enough to support the Ukrainian people. And don't be fooled by the Kremlin's propaganda. Giordano warns in conclusion because if Mariupol wasn't enough, now there is Bucha. The facts of Bucha are also followed with great concern on the other side of the ocean. An example is the editorial published by the American newspaper The Boston Globe. For the editorial staff of the American newspaper, the atrocities in Bucha cry out for a response from the US and for the world to stop Putin's war machine. What the world is watching now looks increasingly like a genocide being carried out in real time before its very eyes, the columnists argue. Supplying Ukrainians with the arms they need to fight should keep on being the US and Europe's top priority, the American journalists write. Nonetheless, for them, it is also crucial to stop the Russian war machine. The proposal is therefore to stop altogether gas and oil imports from Russia. This would deprive the invading country of steady money inflow with which it finances its war effort. Any sacrifice Americans or Europeans are called upon to make is little compared with that being made on a daily basis by the people of Ukraine, is the reminder that closes the editorial. We now move on to a completely different topic for the second series of editorials, this time dedicated to the Hungarian elections. 
The first editorial comes from the French newspaper Les Echos. Journalist Sabine Duranglade remarks how Viktor Orban's closeness to Putin has in no way affected the outcome of the elections. The polls predicted a tight ballot between Orban's party and the opposing coalition made up of six parties, writes the journalist. But unity wasn't enough, writes Duranglade. In fact, Orban's party won with around 53% of the vote against 34%. Orban, in addition to being the only European leader to have refused to hand over weapons to Ukrainian forces, has never openly condemned the Russian president. It worked, argues the journalist who points out that 42% of Hungarians at the beginning of March blamed the West for the war. However, we should not be surprised by this result. Public television stations frequently broadcasted Orbán's speeches. His opponent, Peter Marquisay, on the other hand, was allowed only five minutes of airtime in the entire election campaign, concludes the journalist. We now move on from France to Spain on the pages of El Mundo. The editorial's title, Orbán's victory challenges the identity of the European Union, could not have been clearer. For the editorial staff of the Spanish newspaper, the triumph of a more Eurosceptic Orbán than ever before renews doubts about his commitment to the values on which the Union is based. In support of this thesis, the journalist recalled that the Court of Justice of the EU has withheld funds from Hungary and Poland for violations of the rule of law, such as its failure to accept a common migration policy and its policies against LGBTQ plus groups. The identity of the EU is at stake, is the closing warning of a Spanish newsroom, which also stresses that the EU cannot tolerate such an assault on its core values of respect for individual dignity, freedom and equality. For the last opinion editorial of the day, we cross the channel to land on the pages of the English newspaper Financial Times. The journalist Gideon Ratchman explains why the war in Ukraine could put Viktor Orban's policy in trouble. For more than a decade, the journalist observes Orban has been walking a tightrope. While Hungary is part of the EU, taking advantage of all the benefits this brings, it also cultivates close relationships with anti-European authoritarian figures such as Putin, Trump and Xi Jinping. The invasion of Ukraine has mobilized the EU against Putin, Ratchman continues. Poland, until now Hungary's ally, has also called for tougher sanctions against Russia. Hungary at this time is increasingly isolated within the Union. This could be an opportunity to put pressure on Orbán's government, the journalist concludes. And we are at the end of our fifth episode. But before we say goodbye, we remind you that this Sunday the elections for the new president of France will be taking place. Of course, we will cover it extensively in the next week's episode. And as always, research and writing for this episode was done by Daniela Ruzza. And behind the mic, it's me, your host, Alexandra Napanich. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Until next time, take care and goodbye.